Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Today we are speaking with Bo Whitman. Bo, this is an unbelievably vulnerable and real episode and I'm so proud of him for sharing his story and I'm so grateful that you get to experience this in this podcast. Bo is an athlete, coach, trainer, person, motivator, CrossFit coach. He has done so many different things in his athletic career that really built him to become who he is now and really helped him with the challenges that he faced. He went through six major reconstructive surgeries and during those procedures, it became a case of he learned how to continually rebuild himself, rebuild himself over and over and over to the point where his mantra is rebuilt to inspire. And these these things helped him to a point that when he received an unbelievable diagnosis of testicular cancer stage three at 27 years old, what he had to go through and how he went through the process of rebuilding himself, it's just so inspiring and it is so powerful. And I'm so grateful that you get to be part of this episode and hear as Bo shares his story, because this is really what this entire platform, this entire podcast is about, is people sharing their stories to impact, serve, and support others. And that is exactly what Bo is doing at such a young age. That is, he is taking his pain, his story, and it is literally his purpose and his mission now. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, because it is absolutely powerful. So welcome to the show today, Bo. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So we are going to dive into some questions first so people can get a chance to know who you are. And then we're going to dive into your story because it is one heck of a story that deserves the attention and focus of this podcast. So where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from outside Philadelphia in North Wales, PA. And then I've been in New York City for about five years. New York for five years. Nice. Are you right in the heart of the city? Yep. Uh, was on, yeah, I was on the Upper East Side for a while. And then uh, now in uh, West Village. I've only been there once and I was in and out. It was so chaotic and crazy, but I loved it. Would love to go back. It was just, yeah, lots of energy. Come back. Come back. Come back. <laughs> I will come back. I will come back. I promise. Are you a reader? Uh I would like to say I am, but probably not. <laughs> just okay. of is, my reading is more in just like all the search that I'm doing. It's not casual pleasure reading. Okay. So say. is there any book you've ever come across that did change or shift your thinking? Um, and it's okay if it's not. No, there is one. I just, I'm going to have to remember the name of it. That's um, okay. 
because my sister gave it to me in high school and I was going through a lot of trouble with all my surgeries and everything and it was something that helped me but um it'll come to me okay it'll come back later it'll come to me (laughs) it'll come back later you are someone who has come through a lot in your life do you have a favorite quote or mantra or something that grounds you and keeps you on a good path yeah um i mean i have a saying that i've made and it came to me during like my second when i knew i had to get two shoulder surgeries um and it's uh rebuilt to inspire and it's one of those things where like my parents and like my doctors like well you're gonna have to do if you keep going this way in sports you're gonna have to get multiple things done we don't know like what surgery will be and then next you know i was like all right instead of like every time you get down knocked down you stand back up you're stronger um or failure is the result of strength like it all comes back to this whole thing of rebuilding yourself to inspire others and i was like down that path of if i get hurt and then i can get stronger coming back so that i'm stronger than i was before i like kept that whole entire philosophy going through all my surgeries and everything and all every time i got hurt so kind of my own that i've lived with (laughs) Yeah, no, I can just picture like rebuilding yourself to inspire others. And that is just going to become such a key thing as we dive into your story more. Do you happen to have a mentor or someone who has impacted your life? Oh, yes, I do. Um, His name's, well, I have two. My first one is uh, James uh, Quigley. His name is, he was in uh, New York City for a very long time, but he's been like my life coach, like really close friend. He's helped me getting into the fitness world, getting into the competitive fitness world in terms of like doing the competitions, directing them and everything. Um, and then Nick Pag, mm-hmm. who's a good person to look up to. Um, he's on the he podcast is, coming up too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. coming up. Uh, he is somebody that will, even though you don't need somebody, well, when you need somebody, you don't want anyone there. He's the one that's always there. <laughs> like, uh, oh. I didn't want anyone there my first day of cancer. And that guy was there for me, like just showed up and was like, hey, it's 2.30 in the morning. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, my God. How beautiful is that? And here's the thing. You said something there that when we don't want anyone there. Like when we are kind of at our, I would say when we are at our lowest point, we retreat from the world and it's the exact oh, yeah. time when we should be doing the opposite. But it is, yep. is we retreat the most. We're like, God, I don't need anybody, but I actually need people, yeah. like, right? Yep. So it's great to be surrounded around people who don't, they know what you need and they step in. They're like, I'm not asking I'm here. Like I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so awesome. I also think though, the beautiful thing in that is that you are willing to receive that. Because mm-hmm. if you're not, you miss the whole point of that. So I think that that's beautiful. Can I ask you what lights you up? Like what drives you? Uh, I don't just helping people, I guess, in general. Like that's mm-hmm. why, like, instead of like most, most trainers that are at like one or two gyms, I was at six different gyms coaching. Mm-hmm. So I just love the atmosphere of all the different gyms and what they offered. I guess awesome. like helping people, like getting up knowing that I love 5 a.m. classes. I get to start everyone's day. I love off, the right? 5 a.m. classes. Yeah. So all, I, I was teaching like all 5 a.m. classes, 5, 6, 7. It's just because it's like, all right, I get to start everyone's day. They start good here. Everything else will go fine. I wow. Okay. That's um, that's pretty yeah. special because I've done 5 a.m. <laughs> clients and I don't remember saying love. <laughs> I don't remember saying. And I'm a morning person, but that's a different time of morning, right? Yeah. 
That's a different time of morning. I get it. I totally get it. So when I look through your history, you have spent many years as an athlete, a coach, a trainer, like competitive, very competitive athlete, six major reconstructive procedures that you have gone through and you are Mm -hmm. 26 years old, right? Is that right? 27. 27. Okay. Okay, So 27 years old. Okay. So 27 years old, you've gone through those things and then you ended up having to deal with something that most of us couldn't have have never dealt with at your age. So would you mind diving in? You can go wherever you want, share your story with us. All right. Um, well, I'll say what the diagnosis was first. Um, I was diagnosed uh, with stage three testicular cancer. It was a really, really rare uh, germ cell type of cancer. So it spread very quickly. But um, how the whole thing happened was it was kind of like out of the blue because last two Septembers ago now, um, I had wrist reconstruction. And then a February of that following year coming, I got cleared to go back to lifting, um, Olympic lifting. I was like, oh, I want to qualify for AOs. I want to try and go for AO finals. Uh, I started training. And then about July or right around July, I started cutting all this weight, getting ready for uh, this meet because uh, yeah. I could have qualified for AO finals possibly because my total was close. And what happened was I dropped 12 pounds off my normal weight. Um, and I noticed a, a lump on my neck. And that's all I noticed. I wasn't sick at all. I wasn't. Like nothing was uh, nothing really was happening, and then I went to this uh, ollie meet, and on my last clean and jerk, I remember standing up this clean and was just like, "This isn't happening." I like put the bar down. I walked off to the side, went to my coach. I was like, "Something's wrong. I need to sit down." And literally felt like there was a black cloud over my head. Um, went home that day, and the only logical thing that I can think of was being an athlete, so long and a trainer. I was like. Well, I'm 12 pounds under my normal body weight. Yeah. I just cleaned 300 pounds and never copped that before that light. And I was like, my body's probably in shock. That's probably what's the matter. It's like, it's in shock. Like something's definitely not long. I'll, I'll wait two days, you know, I'll go through recovery and do all my stuff. And I did that. And then on the second day after that, I couldn't walk. Oh, and then my I know the thing on my my back was pain was too no I could walk but it was too painful yeah, to walk yeah, but that yeah, way. I know um, what you mean no 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 which, it's yeah. okay oh yeah um which is hard for me to believe because I have a really high pain tolerance with everything mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um I remember being like all right I gotta call my mom the thing on my neck bigger and I called her I was like I gotta get this checked out also like my back is in so much pain I need to go to therapy and get like my back re- reworked on for the person that's like helping through all my other surgeries. So went to physical therapy. Then I went to the doctors and the guy was like, Oh, like, is your nose running? I'm like, yeah. I like, I kind of feel like I might have like a cold. He was like, yeah, the bump of your neck is just your lymph node. You probably have a huge lymph node there. That's like, it swells whenever you're sick. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, but that doesn't make it was like a baseball in my shoulder. I was like, why would it be that big? And he was like, I don't know. It could be something else. Let's go get it scanned. So when I walked into the ER that night, it was probably around 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, just waiting for the scans. And the doctor who was on call was like, okay, you're 27. These are your symptoms. I'm going to scan your stomach as well. And he was like, this just looks like something. And around like 12 o'clock, 1230 in the morning, I was sitting in the bed. My mom was sitting in the chair. 
and the guy like came around and like there's two nurses that were helping me all day long do everything they were like sheet white and the doctor was like there's no easy way to tell you this i had my oncologist on call look at it um he was like you have non-hodgkin's lymphoma you probably have two years and they might not treat you oh that was like the first thing that came out of his mouth and i like i turned i looked at my mom she was she white and then i looked at him i was like all right am i being admitted tonight am i going to the cancer center down the street what's the next thing and he was like you're being too optimistic like you have non-hodgkin's like lymphoma and i was like and I was like, you've seen my file. I was like, what, what's next? Like it might, again, it's 1230 at night. Do I wait till tomorrow? Like what are, what do I have to do? Um, and my Can mom, I, I think. For a second there, sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Did, was there a moment where you were, you thought differently and then you shifted your thinking or was this really your first response? Like, what do we do next? It was Honestly, there was a there was at least like a five second pause before yeah. anyone said anything. I was the first thing, and the first thing that went through my mind was, I was like, I started like laughing to myself, honestly, because I was like, this is this is a joke. Because every time before like a big meet that I've had, I've gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. So like, and when I blew out my wrist before, it was a week before I was going to go qualify for AOs, and it was like, and my last surgery was due to championships in college, and I was like, okay, like now this and I internally was like this is a joke like no something's wrong like I'll deal with it when somebody really tells me I have it and that's why my mentality went right away to all right we what's happening where are we going wow okay I started I just really wanted to say that because it's you know you're in the room and that's your first response and you're almost taking the doctor off his game because he's like no no you're not listening to me wow so what happened next um my mom was like, we're getting a second opinion. We're going to go to the cancer center. It was the Aspen Cancer Center, um, mm-hmm. right in um, outside Philadelphia. Um, I was home for this time. And then uh, my mom was just like, all right, like, what are you thinking? What's going on through your head? Like, and I was like, listen, like, I don't have cancer until I'm sitting in the hospital with my head shaved and I have something in my arm with a green vial or something above me. Like, that's what, what I told my mom was like. okay and I was like yeah and I was like there's I'm like you could say that that, but it doesn't happen and that's what I think that's that's what helped me a lot with my other surgeries like they're like oh you have to get surgery and like you'll have it in like a month from now and you'll be out for a year and a half and like that month that time in between I'm just like I'm fine until until I'm in the hospital then it's really happening like right well, you'll deal with, it's interesting because most of us go right into like long-term, like, oh my God, what's this going to look like? And you're yeah. so yep. present with your thought of saying, yeah, well, I don't need to worry about that because we have to do this now. Like we got to figure out yep. this now before we even go there. That's a pretty unique trait to be able to do, honestly, even with your age, like it's, it really is. I don't see that in a lot of people. So that mm-hmm. kudos to you, honestly. Yeah. So what happened next? Um, well, we told everyone in the family, we, we just told them we, I had cancer. We didn't say what it was or what mm-hmm. the real thing was. I didn't, I didn't really want to say anything. I want to talk. I got the second opinion done, but like we went to the cancer center and they said the same thing. And like the scans like were really extensive, like all the stuff they had done. And then the biopsy was like the final, like 
100% match with what it is. And it came back with a biopsy that it showed this, that I had this really rare form of testicular cancer that like looks exactly the same and acts. And so there is in the same as uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. Um, so it was like the best thing in the world that they could do because once you kill it, it's done. It never comes back, um, okay. which is amazing. Um, so with how bad it was, they were like, you're going to need <clears throat> at least five months of chemo and then two major surgeries of dissection of the masses and the lymph nodes. Wow. Wow. And so you pretty much started right in? Like how fast did things start? Yeah. We, they, once they found out what it was, I think I waited, I think it was like three days and then I was in the hospital and they were starting everything. So a lot of things, it's a good thing you had the perspective that you did because a lot of things probably happened fairly fast then. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, everything happened pretty fast, but everything also was like slow, I guess you can say, because that like I had to like shift my whole entire life and like, two weeks and with how busy I was going to doing nothing was just like a really big like eye opener and also just everything just felt slower. I mean, anything outside the city is going to feel slower. But... Oh, for sure. <laughs> but you're, that's a great point is like everything that you're doing and what your whole focus is shifted in a matter of two weeks. Like it, it's kind of, you get to the point where all the things that you think mattered that were the big deal that you had to take care of. And all of a sudden it's like, no, it's not, it's not because we need yep. to do this right now. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a big. So you go from that. Did you have moments where, like, if you were to look back at how you made those transitions and how that, like, is there anything you can share with us about that time, that early time, and how that, what that was like? Yeah, I mean, when I found out the news, like the following day, I had to call. I called like two of my closest friends. My one friend who was in the city, I had to call him because I had to tell him I wasn't going to this proposal. Because he was going to get engaged with his um, with his now fiance, and I was supposed to be part of the whole entire proposal, and I'd be like, "Hey, I can't get on this plane tomorrow." No, I'm sorry. And by the way, and by the way, I have cancer. And like he was like, "This is a joke." He didn't believe me, and I was like, "I was like, yeah." And he was like, "Well, what do you need from me? What can I do?" And I was like, "No, I'm just telling you." And he's like, "Who says that?" I'm like, "Well, I don't know what to feel. I don't know what to do." And I. It's, that's why I put that thing in my mind, I guess, of it's not real until mm-hmm. um, until I'm in the bed, until I'm hooked up, until yeah. like yeah. it's in me. Because um, I asked them, I was like, what it's like to have all the chemo done for the first week. And they're like, it's different with everyone. We can't really, we can give you like, you know, what you see in the movies or like that it's exaggerated or like, I can tell you you're going to be tired, but everyone's different. So mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of bugging at me, but at the same time, like I made the decision, like once I found out what it was that I was just going to be completely open about it because I remember with my other surgeries and everything, I really wasn't that open until my last surgery and people were like, you've had all these surgeries done. Why don't you tell us about how to get back from it? How to do better from it? Like what type of rehab you did? And I was like, I did that with my last surgery. And it made me feel a lot better about what was going on. I wasn't that upset when I couldn't lift, just couldn't do anything. And then I was like joking about the whole entire time about all these cancer jokes, whatever. Because now I could say them, I guess you could say my family, hey, I'm one of seven, and everyone hated me for it. They're like, it's so wrong. It's so dark. I'm like, 
But it's who are we to criticize? We're not in it, right? This is the hard part. It's like, it's your, this is your coping. That's what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no right or wrong. Not at all. Yeah. So, so I decided, and the the post was the funniest thing. I remember just smiling at it. And like, I had like my head completely buzzed um, to what it is now, maybe shorter. And, um, I was like, dear cancer, like, I look better with a shaved head. Thank you. Or something like that. And it was like, just something funny, something, and people kept, People didn't know if it was real or not. And then is that how um, you put it like, out there to the world? Is that how yeah, you yeah, that's, oh my yeah, God. that's how I put it out there. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. And uh, I'm, I actually have to do a post today. It's been raining off and on, but um, I have a, I'm posting tomorrow because th- last Thursday officially I was cancer free. I, so I I'm making a post and I'm doing a, again, a dear cancer. You know, it's been fun. I'm doing this thing like love me or whatever, love Bo. Oh, see, I think it's just been a joke. Well, but I, I, here's the thing. I think that what I'm going to just reframe that and in, in see in sense is that a lot of times when we have something difficult, we resist it, we fight it, we push oh, yeah. it, we do all those things. And in a lot of ways, I like to think that we're actually giving it more power. Whereas mm-hmm. instead you took it and went, okay, this is what I'm going to do. That's ownership. Like, this is what I'm going to do. This mm-hmm. is how I'm going to handle it. And this is how it's going to be. I just think you reframed the whole situation in a very powerful way for yourself is a sense that my power is not going to cancer. My power is coming back to me. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that helped me with it and it keeps coming back to what I keep telling people in terms of like any advice they come to me is like when I had that last surgery, I was very vulnerable. I never usually talk about when I'm hurt. If I'm not doing well, like that's really because being an athlete my whole life you're taught like not to tell if you're hurt not to like show your hurt kind of a thing so when I decided to become open with everything and then go on my Instagram every day and be like this is what's going on guys I'm not feeling well here's chemo yeah I just like threw my guts up or like just being that open helped me not just for venting but also like then talking to people and saying okay you're reaching out to me now because I'm being vulnerable and you're doing the same thing I'm helping you that way. It's like this whole great thing about how vulnerability isn't a weakness. It's actually like the greatest strength. So. You pretty much just summed up everything that I think that this podcast is about. And it was <laughs> yeah, right on my tongue and you said it. And I love it. Is that you have shown that vulnerability is not like it is. Not, it's a strength. And oh, yeah. in the thing about vulnerability is it's, it really comes down to you, you, us, all of us mm-hmm. sharing ourselves not sharing, like, I'm not out there talking about what it's like to have cancer because I don't have a clue. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is like your own, your own spots, those dark spots where it's like you just really sharing what the experience is like and standing in that space, man, that is a place of strength. That is an absolute place of strength. And most people don't ever allow themselves to go to that space. So I honestly, I admire you and I honor you for doing that because I think that it makes it, well, I know it makes a difference in the lives of others, but I often wonder if it changed how you went through your entire process. Cause there was no hiding it and shame instead. It's just like, this is, this is what my life is right now. This is what mm-hmm. I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think it shows, it shows strength. I just think it shows a lot of strength. Um, so you go through this process. How long, five months, how long were you going? Through? Yeah. I had about, uh, September, October, November, four, four and a half months of chemo, mm-hmm. just around that. 
Um, I mean, during even chemo though, I was still putting on events and I was still going and hanging out with people just because I just, you know, I hate sitting around, I hate doing nothing. And my mom and family always joked about it because I would like go do one, two, like maybe an event and then come home and be like, I'm so tired. Like this is absurd. And my parents were like, this is what it's like to be normal human beings. Like, because <laughs> I always have so much energy and I'm putting there like, he must supposed to make you tired, but it only brought you down to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the rest of us play at. Yeah, you you just play way up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, they sound like they are a great source of support too, though. Like that. Very, yeah. Like yeah, you're surrounded mm-hmm. by some pretty amazing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So over this process, you were just congratulations, just like last week, um, yep. cancer-free diagnosis, which is just, mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Can you even describe what that feels like? I don't even know. I can't imagine. Oh, it hasn't hit me yet. It no. hasn't hit me yet. Because I did another, like one of those bears things looking ahead, like, when they took everything out of my neck and I'm still like recovering from this whole surgery, they were like, we have to test the masses. And then from there, we'll let you know if you're cancer free uh, or not, or there's more. And I told myself right there, I was like, I will not feel cancer free until like all this is healed up. Like when I'm like, cause it's still numb, it's still tingling. I saw like nerve pain and everything. And they told me it would be like another two weeks. So it's been one week, but maybe by the end when I can wake up and like, you know, not feeling pain a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I'll be less relaxed, but I don't know. It just it really hasn't hit. Like I'm saying it, I'm like neither jumping for joy or neither like upset, but it's like, it's just, it's just like, oh. Yeah. You just said, no, it's just, it's, it's, you don't have to give it any more energy than that. That's just, it'll let it sink in, let it take, like sink mm-hmm. in to do, um, to kind of hit you. So yeah. you have, is there any tips you can give to somebody else who's going through, a process like this. It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but sometimes that maybe worked for you that you find, you think that others would benefit from hearing. I mean, the biggest thing that I keep telling people is with the people with dealing with cancer and they've reached out to me, um, or I've even used this exercise when um, I dealt with injured athletes um, is you have to learn when, you have to learn how to knock something off its pedestal. That's the best way to put it. Meaning, like, Say that again? Knocking something off its pedestal. Mm-hmm. The bad news off its pedestal because I use this scenario of like, okay, put yourself in my shoes. If I walked up or let's see you, for example, Marsha, two people in your life, okay? If you walked up to one and said, hey, I got, I got hurt today. Like I rolled my angle or something. Um, they're going to be like, oh, are you okay? Like they're not going to be overly concerned or like super upset they're gonna be okay you can bounce back from this this is easy Mm -hmm. but if you walk up to a different person and say hey i have cancer first thing they're gonna do is like you know the awkward pause moment they're gonna get upset they're gonna be like oh my god what is gonna happen and then every time they hear your name or see you it's back to this depressed state Mm. so i always tell them or anyone who's there you guys do the same thing i did you heard the word cancer yeah okay it's not really that bad. It's an injury. It's something that can come back from. We don't know what it is yet. You don't know what it is, what, what the real diagnosis is, but okay, next, move it along. What will happen is people just dwell on that whole thing of cancer. Oh my God, I have it. I'm depressed. I have to go through all this. Right. I could die. Right. It's all about knocking it out and just 
dealing with it right up and just saying, okay, we don't know. We'll hit it one step at a time and focusing it on that instead of as like an upsetting thing. Um, treating it more as a injury than anything else. Because that's what I'm treating it as. They told they told me I had to do chemo and then surgeries. I was like, okay, this is like I have to do rehab, you know, surgery prep, and then I have recovery after. Yeah, this is what my rehab is involves. Is this is what's it? I love that you said that in a sense that taking something that is like that's difficult, whatever difficult thing it is that someone is dealing with, and taking it off the pedestal. Like it's like when we put it on the pedestal like that, it's like not attainable. We can't fix it. We can't do anything with it. It's yeah. like it has power over us. I just like that mm-hmm. analogy and what you said there. Just think that's that's a really powerful thing tip wise to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is there any other things that you can think of that you would recommend to someone if you're going through this process as far as allowing others? I just want to like allowing others to help you. Yeah. I mean, it works in other situations, but it keeps coming back to that whole concept of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and vulnerability in depth as well. Um, Go super hand in hand. Like I always tell somebody to, if they're in the situation, like they might not be like me who can be like, I have cancer and come out with it and just go with the flow. Some people, it takes time to do that. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me with this and I say, start small. Okay. What, what are you scared to reach out about? And they'll be like, it's about the cancer. I'm like, okay, what about the cancer? It's about the chemo. Okay. What about the chemo? Are you scared of the chemo? They're like, no, of how I'm going to feel during it. And like, if I'm going to be okay, I don't want to get sick. I'm like, okay, so you're really scared of cancer. You're just scared of being getting sick during during treatment, right? She's, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll start with that. Reach out and be like, hey, I'm scared about this. You stay away from the whole big cancer word. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's writing a journal to yourself. These are the things I'm upset about today, or these are the things I'm scared of. And then start with one of those things you're scared of and tell someone you're super close with. If you can't even tell that person you're super close with, tell a stranger. Because you're not going to get judged or care about what a stranger thinks and start small or start opening up about something else. Say, okay, if you're in the cancer situation, instead of saying, I'm scared of cancer, you can be like, hey, I'm terrified to fly. Do something like something else you're vulnerable about that no one else knows about mm-hmm. and do something with that and get your mind off of it. Because if you can open up about that stuff, then you're going to be like, okay, I was never able to open up about that, but now I have cancer, which is a lot worse. If I can open up about what I opened up first, mm-hmm. I can do this now. Practice, right? Is practicing practice. levels of vulnerability. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, practicing that. That is, I love that. And you talked about like going deep with vulnerability and, and digging in with that. Mm-hmm. It's like when they talk about when you say you're afraid of something, you can't just say I'm afraid of that. One of the best ways to get to the bottom of it, I think if they say, they call it like five levels deep. You keep asking the question like, what is it? Is it cancer? Or is it that you don't know oh, yeah. if you're going to lose your hair? You don't know if yeah. like, I'm afraid I'm going to be sick. Yeah. I actually address what it is that you're afraid of as opposed to not the word cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's a great, that is a great tip. So you have had an unbelievable story and I know that like, again, competitive athlete wanting to work, create programs, help lots of people, but you're, you've shifted, right? You've shifted from even say where you were six months ago to what you want to work on helping people with now. So what's that transition like? Where, where's this taking you now? So it's been interesting because 
I wasn't, I was all over doing group classes all over the place. And I wanted to do more personal training because I was a gymnast for 10 years competitively. And then I was a track and field athlete all through high school, D1 um, athlete as well. And I always found the same thing coming back to me. What I love doing is foundational training, building your body strength first, and then moving into the strength process. And I don't know why it always was like, this is what I love doing. This is what I love seeing people excel at because if they excel here, when they go to do these other things that are harder, they'll excel quicker because they have this. That's why gymnasts are the best well-rounded athletes, I think, because they can do everything pretty much. Um, but when I found out about everything and I found out I couldn't work out, I was like, okay, I want to do a program for myself and for everyone coming out of cancer because either two things are going to happen. You're going to be like me who lost over like 50% of his muscle mass and he's still under like 12 pounds in body weight who needs to get back in shape and put on the weight and put, get back to what they normally were or stronger. Or you have some other people that have reached out to me that say they've gained 35 pounds or more and they want to lose the weight. Okay. So I thought of, I thought of, okay, what's the best thing to do? All right, let's make a 12 week program that I can get away from all these big classes and focus more on a, a community that doesn't really have a lot of, I guess, I'm sh there's tons of trainers and people out there that do help in this situation, but a community around coming back. And because the problem is you fight going through all the chemo, you fight through all the surgeries, and now you have to make this bigger effort to fight to get back to who you were. Mm -hmm. You have to go back to work. You have to get back into shape. Yeah, now I can go up two flights of stairs, and you have to get the ball rolling and how to do that. So my program is going to be a mixture of workouts and then mindset exercises yeah. to do. Yeah. And in the group community where everyone will be able to talk to each other through this, what was harder in the workout was not because then it comes all the way back to vulnerability, opening up about it. So trying to make a, you know, a community. It's going to move. <laughs> No, I love it. And I love that that's your focus because that's the thing, right? Again, we go back to what we said in the beginning. When things are tough, we tend to retreat from the world. And yep. it's almost like it's like you can even find yourself at times. I found myself at times and I, I completely embrace and teach vulnerability. But I'll be having a really rough day and I'm like, I'm going to call somebody and just say, like, it's, you can figure this out. And then all of a sudden I hit a point, I'm like, okay, well, I could try and figure this out for about six more hours by myself, or I could actually reach out and ask for help from someone. And it never fails. So if people feel like they don't have the people in their life who can make a difference or who they can reach out to, how do they start to create that? Because I hear that a lot. I hear that from a lot of people. They're like, but I don't have that. You have that. Now, I didn't used to have that. I'm not going to lie. I didn't used to have that at all. So mm -hmm. I have a certain thought about how that starts to show up in your life. But how do you create community when you feel like you're in a spot where you have none? Well, I, I think there's already a community there. It's just the problem is everyone's just too scared to reach out about yeah. it or talk about it. And that's the biggest issue. You need something to start it. Yeah. Um, and that's what I loved about the whole being vulnerable thing on like my Instagram stories all the time because I've had people reach out to me if I didn't post in a day or half day to be like, oh, excuse me. You okay? What's where have you been? Like, yeah. what? Yeah. Or what's up? Or you, I've had more people DM me being like the most the thing that inspired me the most probably during chemo was when I had a, a lady message me 
And she was like, I was just diagnosed with stage, uh, stage three breast cancer. I only have this amount of time to live. It's been six months since I was told and I still haven't told my family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't know how to respond oh, to that. I didn't gosh. know what to do. And I, I remember I sent her a, a voice memo like on through Instagram. I was like, Hey, I was like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Like, I'm really happy. I'm able to help you. Like, with what's going on. Like, if you ever need to talk, let me know. Um, and I told her the one thing about the whole, like, baby steps, breaking everything down. I kind of did it with her. And then I told her to do it on her own. And then, like, two weeks later, she sent me a message. And she was like, hey, I just want you to know I was finally able to tell my family today. Oh, and, like, that just made me, like, so happy because I was like, that's gift. one thing I can do. I was like, and that's just by me being me somebody reached out to me and needed help and I was able to just be like okay well if it works for me it might be able to work for you let's try yeah um that's so, so. awesome that's it and that's the thing community can be built with people that you don't even know okay I yeah. find some of the people that are in my life now weren't here five years ago I didn't know them at all I didn't know them mm-hmm. there I couldn't imagine life without them and unfortunately they all came into my life at the most difficult time so Yep. You know, I kind of go, maybe like, maybe I wouldn't have met them if I hadn't gone through some of the things that I've gone through. And yep. as you say, like you, some of the people that you've met has been because of your journey in dealing with cancer. Yeah. 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 It's powerful. It's really powerful. Um, so I know you're doing some incredible things with this and it just makes me, um, well, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions is where, where can people connect with you? You talk about Instagram. I'll put, I'll put all of your contact yeah. stuff in the show notes, but is that where you tend to hang out the most? Yeah. Yeah. You can reach me there and then, um, I'll send you off to my website back up. So that will be able for you guys to reach out to me. Um, through there, but Instagram is pretty much the best way. Okay. Awesome. So I want to ask you two key questions as we start to wrap up the call. (laughs) I think I can get a feeling for it, but I want you to say, what impact do you want to leave in this world? Like what impact do you want to create or have in this world? And what does impact mean to you? I mean, mm, <laughs> there's there's two things that come to mind when like when you mean like what impact means. It's like one, it could be like thinking about how you do something very important in the world where your name will be remembered, an impact on like a community nationwide, like worldwide, or you have an impact with one person. Um, and then, but with many, but just yeah. focusing on that one person. Um, in terms of more physically or if it's emotionally um, on a personal level, one-on-one, I think I like the personal one-on-one more mm-hmm. for an impact. And I guess the whole, I mean, it goes back to my message of rebuild to inspire. It's not just inspiring others. It's yourself. Um, what I want to get around. Mm-hmm. So there is no way to down to. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no right or wrong. And you know, like the thing is, is that when you impact one person to create change, you have no mm-hmm. idea what that one person's going to go on and do. Like you just have no idea that one person could go on and found something that is like, that makes a massive impact. Yeah, where were we? We were on impact. So we were just saying it's all good. Impact. 
Yeah, this is yep. real life, right? People knocking on the doors yep. happens all the time. Um, you can have an impact on one person, but you don't know what that one person's going to do. They could like step yeah. out and do something that. So there's, I believe there's a massive ripple effect that happens when we oh, yeah, step into that. Pardon? Yep. Yeah, and that can be easily traced back to when you post on something on Instagram. Someone sees it, they want to do it, then they want to reach back out. Mm-hmm. And then you help them. It's that whole. And then when it happens to them, they talk about it and then it keeps rippling out. This is the power. I think there's a there's a lot of people who talk about the negatives of social media. I think there's massive power in social media when it's used properly. Mm-hmm. Like it's some of, of the people that I've connected with and helping them to share their story. I've never met them. Like never met them in person. We just crossed paths. Yeah. And my words, they resonate with them, just like your words and message are going to resonate with people who are walking in paths similar to yours. So it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So impacting people individually and then wherever that goes and takes. And I think that yep. you are doing that by you being you and you stepping mm-hmm. into that space. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely love that. Um, can I ask you one last question? What is one lesson in life that you are the most grateful for? Uh, I think it's, what my mom always told me like and she's always been hard on this everything happens for a reason um and i think everyone needs to think that at the end of the day like i know there's non-believers it's like somebody did this this couldn't be really happening to me like this didn't happen for a reason but i really think at the end of the day it did because if i have to look back and say okay i got hurt because each surgery talks me something and now all those surgeries prepared me for this and if I didn't have those surgeries beforehand, I would have not made it through the surgeries I've had recently or like the chemo. Like, I don't know. I would be a completely different person because I was able to still just be me. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to, at the end of the day, realize that like, you know, everything happens for a reason. You got to be willing, willing to roll with it and know what to do with it. It's coming down to what I always say, what do you do next? And like, I just think it's yeah. so powerful in what you're saying there, because I do know when I say everything happens for a reason, that can be a real trigger for some people and they can get quite like yeah. off because yeah. it's not fair. It's not fair. Right. That's, yeah. that's what they well, go back to. That's what I thought about with my surgeries. I would like a, a big competition would come up. I get hurt before or after a big competition comes before or after it. And then Two months before this whole thing happened, I sat down with Nick Pags and I was like, Hey man, like I look up to you a lot. You're my mentor. I was like, this is everything I do. I don't know what to do next. Like, I don't know what I should do in my career. I don't know what should happen. And his response was, and I still, I called him. He still laughed about this every day. He goes, listen, you're the type of person where in like next month or two, something big is going to happen. And that's going to put you in that direction. I'm not kidding. kidding. This is what's going to happen. And it's going to set you, like it's going to put you on that path. So when I found out about this and I called Nick and I was like, Hey, (laughs) I was like, thanks. And he was like, I was like, you, I was like, you gave me cancer. And he was like, what? (laughs) How does that work? And I was like, this is what you said. He goes, he was like, I did not say that. But it is something that I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was just a run-on joke. But I like it's just like powers and happens. It's just you have to be ready to just like, not just be depressed by it. You just got to roll with it. You do. I. I. And again, it might sound like a really. I don't know. That's a funny quote, but it's a, it's in fact that like you can't love who you are if you hate yeah. all the experiences that make you who you are. 
you have to like you it's everything that we go through builds us and builds us into who we are and mm-hmm. i think that your perspective honestly at a young age is i'm it's impressive for me but your perspective to look at all of those surgeries and see what it was building you to become to do more to change that perspective to how you handled your situation and and the moment where you're hearing those words from the doctor like how you handle that is just so incredibly impressive honestly it's just it's just it's just a really good clear mindset and perspective and that's what you were able to take to it is okay this is what we've got so what's next like what's next and as opposed to the victim of why me right there's no answer for why me there's no answer at all it's not productive not at all so I love that you you've said that and I love that you tie it back to your mom because I think that that's really kind of cool I think it's awesome (laughs) then those are the lessons that she said right yeah, obviously, obviously you can hear it. You can hear it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I want to thank you so much for being so real and being so honest with everybody today and sharing your story. I know this is the one thing too, is this is pretty fresh, right? This is, this is yeah, like, totally. this is fresh. This is not like, we're not talking about something that happened years ago. We're yeah. talking about something that's pretty fresh. So I appreciate yeah. you being so real and honest with everyone. And I, yeah, I am so grateful to have this time with you and for you to be able to share your story with our listeners. I really am. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy I could do this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.